I'm just really, really excited um, about just what God is doing among Central, like he said. And and, uh, and let me just kind of tell you where we're going over the next couple of minutes. And, and uh, I'm not going to speak long, and don't get too excited about that, but... Uh, um, we're going to take a we're going to take an opportunity here in just a moment to pray over Sean and over Vicky and and uh, we just this setting apart is a huge deal and uh, and so I, I want to just kind of set the set the stage here a little bit if I could about leadership because we're all called to leadership. Some of you think well, I don't I'm not sure I lead, but you do lead. I mean we look at elders and God set apart elders in the church, but we all lead in some capacity. You lead your home, you lead your family, you lead at school, you lead at work, you, 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 there's somebody you lead, and you're following somebody, but you're also leading too. So what I'm about to say over the next couple of minutes, I don't want to fall on deaf ears because I believe it's going to register in you, but it also speaks about the church. Um, when I was a kid, just like all of you that, are, that were a kid, and for our, our children that went off to kids' church, there was a game we played as kids, uh, and, and uh, one of those games was called Follow the Leader. And what you would do is somebody would would uh, be the leader, and they go through some kind of obstacle course or pass uh, or whatever it may be, and everybody else is to follow and mimic what they do, whether they're waving their arms, whether they're jumping, whether they're skipping, whether they're climbing something or whatever. Here would come the followers behind the leader. And uh, the best leaders, well, let me tell you what the worst leaders were. The worst leaders were those that would try to show how strong they were by doing something that nobody else that could follow could do or just a few of them. Those were the worst leaders. I mean, they were arrogant, they were cocky, they, they would go do something and, and just kind of look back, kind of, kind of looking at everybody else. You can't do this, can you? I mean, that was kind of their idea of being a leader. Some of you have had leaders like that. And aren't, they're just terrible. I mean, they're not there to help anybody. But the best leader was the one who would see the group and the way they were, and he would not dummy it down so much that, that it was boring for everybody. But what he would do is he would, he would chart the course and go the course, and for those that were, were stronger, it may be a little of a challenge, but those that are weaker, it would be a way for them to grow, and he would make sure the whole team, the whole group, would be able to follow the leader. Those were the best ones. Well, we all lead, like I say, but in the church, God from the very beginning established a, a leadership. We, we know that the church in Acts chapter 2, we see that the first church was birthed. And the church is the, the people of God, but it was that congregation. The Holy Spirit came. And what happened is, is these congregations started getting birthed in cities throughout. And Paul was, was the one who was responsible for, for most of that. That Paul would go on these missionary journeys. He would come to a small town, first century town, and he would, he would lead people to Christ by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, how that, that, that all of mankind is separated from God. We're sinful. We're broken. It's still that way for seven billion people on this planet. We're all separated from God. We needed a Savior. God didn't send a, a set of rules. What God did, and He sent Himself. He sent Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, through a, a bloody cross, gave his life for mankind, and still it's the same gospel message today that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the same message that, that Paul pr- produced um, back in the first century. It is still the message today. We need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. There's no other way by which man can be saved. So Paul would go and he would share that, and people would respond out of this pagan culture, out of this sensuous pagan uh, idolatry, they would respond to this relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and, in the, and, and the church would be established in that community. 
And so Paul would go, and that's what he would do. That was what he would do from city to city to city. One of those cities was a town called Ephesus. And Paul had been there. He was eventually there for three years. And uh, there was good times and there was bad times. You can, you know, many people say today, man, we live in very difficult times, very immoral, and our culture is very is turning very anti-Christ. We don't have a clue, folks. Imagine growing up and uh, coming to Christ in the first century of a Roman pagan culture that was built around immorality in so many areas, the worship of false gods, and then here you come to Christ trying to live a life of purity, living a life that's different in that culture. We don't have a clue. I'm not saying that things aren't getting hard, but we don't have a clue. And so Paul would come and, and this would happen. So there were good times and there was bad times. Eventually what happened, though, is that Paul was coming to the end of a missionary journey and he was heading back uh, to Jerusalem. Eventually he was going to be heading to Rome. And he comes close to Ephesus, but he's not in Ephesus. And so he gets word to the town in Ephesus, says, would you send for the elders, these leaders in the church, to come and meet me because I want to give them one last word. And, and we're thinking, oh, what's the big deal of that? I want you to think about the person who has had the greatest impact and influence on your life in a positive manner. That Mount Rushmore of a person in your life that has had the greatest influence. That's who Paul was to these elders. And now he's calling for them, and this is the last time they know they're going to see him. And he's given them some encouragement on these last words that he's ever going to share with these cherished people that love him dearly and he loves them dearly. So you get the scenario and what's going on. Well, in Acts chapter 20, I'm just going to share one verse with you. I'm giving you all the background so that I can share this verse because it's going to go into, if you're going to be a good leader, if Sean or any of our elders or our pastors are going to be good leaders, these things have got to be evident in our life, okay? So in Acts chapter 20, I just want to read one verse to you, and it's verse 28. It'll be on the screen, and and you can see it because this is what Paul tells these elders right here. He says this, He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Pay careful attention to yourselves and then pay careful attention to the flock because Christ died for these people and you have a responsibility. Will elders be measured in a a more uh, critical sense than the basic churchgoer? I think so. Did we tell you that, Sean? Uh, but, but there will be, uh, uh, this to take place. So an elder, just to give you a definition and think of it this way, an elder is one who is pursuing and following Christ and in like manner is leading other people to do the same. That is so simple, but that is what an elder is trying to do. That is what our pastors are trying to do. That, that is what any growing person in Christ is trying to do. I'm trying to pursue Christ, and I want you to follow him with me. Any mom or dad in their family ought to be doing the same thing with their children. This ought to be taking place. And so Paul says this, first of all, pay attention to yourself. And this is what any leader has to do. This is what any elder has to do. Take care of yourself. Make sure that you are connected with the Father, with the Heavenly Father. Make sure you are growing spiritually. There, there's nothing worse than somebody who is supposed to be a spiritual leader in their life, in your life, and they're telling you to do something that they're not living. That's, that's hypocritical from the core. Never should you follow someone who is telling you to do something that they are, themselves are not willing in humility to step in and do. And so, uh, 
take care of yourself. Grow in your faith. Make sure you're taking care of, of your spiritual growth. Make sure that you're not being stagnant. If the only time that I'm getting into the Word of God is when I'm teaching you something, that's wrong. I ought to be seeing what God is saying to me personally. And if that ever comes out in a message, well, that's secondary. It's, it's what God has shown me at that particular point. And so any leader needs to grow. And, and, le- and let me say this. In a home, mom and dad, let me tell you the best thing you can do in your home. Make sure you're taking care of priority one, which is your union as mom and dad, as husband and wife. So often our kids become the thing we worship. You can't let that happen. You can worship your kid and your marriage falls apart. You don't want that. You, you, your kids need to see you in close harmony. So you take care of those things. Take care of yourself. And that's what Paul is saying. Guys, care for yourself. Sean, as an elder, take care of yourself. Mark, as an elder, make sure you're growing. Don't, don't just jump out there and lead. You've got to know where you're going. Pursue Christ and then people will follow. So that's the first thing he says. The next thing he gets into is he says this. He says that we are to care for the flock or we are to provide. There's two things here, uh, and I want to deal with them just uh, uh, um, quickly. The first one is this, is to provide for the flock. It's interesting that um, uh, the Bible is an agrarian culture, so many of their illustrations are agrarian in nature. So they talk about the church members as sheep. And uh, many of you have, have raised sheep and you know about sheep, but we know this about sheep. Sheep need to be provided for. They need to be protected. They need to be fed. Um, and this is what we also understand about sheep, and, and this will make sense. Hear this for me, is that a sheep uh, puts his head down and he begins to eat on the grass, right? And so what he'll do is he'll eat a little bit here, head still down, he'll eat a little bit here, eat a little bit here, eat a little bit here, until he has eaten himself into lostness. It wasn't like he made a step and he says, oh, now I'm lost. What happened? He nibbled to lostness. Tell me if that does not describe mankind. I mean, any marriage that fell apart wasn't that one day they woke up and said, man, we don't love each other anymore. Something came in and you started nibbling other grass, nibbling other grass, and there was that slow fade that took you away. How many people are there that one time were worshiping, they were on fire for God? God, I'll follow you anywhere, I'll do whatever, you know. God, just just tell me. And now that you can't even, they won't even darken the door of a church. Why is that? They slowly faded, nibbling themselves to lostness. And so an elder is in, is the person, is the leadership in the church who wants to make sure that you are getting fed properly so that you're not nibbling on the things of the, the food of the world that's going to fade you into lostness. And so that's what happened. Any good leader is going to feed correctly, is going to, is going to help you to, to grow correctly. Because listen, we live in a day where you can get false teaching after false teaching after false teaching and they add Jesus on it and people will take it. You go to the internet, you can look at anything and you can find any preacher in a Christian church who will tell you what you want to hear instead of telling you what the truth of God's Word is. You need people that are going to provide what truth is. And that's what an elder is to do. But that's what any leader is supposed to do is we provide for the flock. But they not only provide nourishment, they provide direction. You know, um, we as a congregation, we are going somewhere. And, and a lot of times people think, well, it's not fast enough or it's not laid out enough and these kind of things. And uh, I just discovered that, man, we're following as God leads and that's what we want. And so that's what you want people 
Um, and I can tell you this about our elders is that these men's hearts are are geared towards hearing from the Father, and, and, and it can be anguishing sometimes. God, what are you really saying here? Because we want to lead correctly. And any good leader is going gonna, is gonna to do that. They're going to wrestle through that. And I know you trust the leadership here. Um, it's obvious that you trust the leadership, and we know that, and thus there's much responsibility. So that was to provide for the flock. One last thing, let me say this about protecting the flock. Uh, sheep need to be protected. And... Um, you know, anybody that has sheep and they have them out in an area where there's coyotes or some kind of predator, usually they put a donkey in there or something. Maybe that's the should be the picture of an elder as a donkey. But, but they put uh, they put the donkey out there, you know, because he'll he'll take on coyotes. He'll ta- he'll make sure they they uh, are gone, and uh, and they need to be protected because they have no defense mechanism. Good night. A sheep's not going to bite you. I mean, he may nibble at you and. And that kind of stuff. And I, believe me, sheep do bite because uh, it, it happens on a spiritual sense all the time. <laughs> I won't go there. That's another, that's another sermon. That's another sermon. But, uh, but they need to be protected. And um, an elder, any kind of leader, whatever, however you lead. I mean, if you lead your family, you want to protect your family, right? You protect them, first of all, from outside influences. Those things that come from the outside, you you want to keep that from. And 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 we know that the the Christian worldview has become slim, slim, slim in our culture. Used to be, you know, you'd send your kid to school or your neighbors and this kind of stuff. There would be a worldview there that you felt good about. Now it's you got to protect, and and so there's protecting from the outside influence, but then there's protection from within to make sure there's unity and where God is leading, and 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 this is what is taking place. Um, with every elder and every leader wants to make sure we're healthy within and we're protecting from without. And I, I, and I don't mean high walls that do not let anybody in. That's, that's, that's just a matter of time before that church is going to die. But you have to, you have to protect. And part of that is just truth, truth, truth. And that's what has to come forth. So take care of yourself. Any leader, take care of yourself, but especially elders, take care of yourself. Uh, provide for the flock. Protect the flock. These are these are huge, and these were elders do, and uh, it's a calling, and it's not always easy. If I could go back and tell you about the first year, what took place in the life of each of our initial elders, man, you're going to think I'm not sure I want to do that. God's got to call you to do that. Um, let me let me end with uh, a thought for you. There was one man. He was approached on Christian leadership, and he said uh, he said. Uh, Tell me, uh, what is, how can I be a good Christian leader? And he said, basically, it comes down to basin theology. Basin theology. And he said, what do you mean by basin theology? He said, you know a basin, a, a water bowl. He said, uh, in the scriptures, there are two specific basins that are mentioned. He said, the first basin, you, you may remember, was when Jesus had been arrested and he had been beaten and been up all night. And they take him before Pilate. Pilate had been warned. He was the Roman leader there in the area. He had been warned by his wife, don't have anything to do with this man, Jesus, because it, she was frightened about who he really was. And so Pilate is caught in the dilemma. So what he does is the people are saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate's taking this in, but he's, he finds no fault in this man. And so he pulls out a basin of water and he washes his hands. And basically he is saying this. His, his guilt is upon you. I am washing my hands of this thing. 
How often do we do that? We, we would rather give in to the feelings of man and what man wants instead of what truth is, and we just wash our hands and say, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. Guy said, that's one kind of leadership. He said, but the second basin was, you remember that Jesus, the night he was betrayed, that he actually went up into an upper room with his disciples, the 12 of them, including Judas in the 12. And what he did is he took a bowl, a basin, and a towel, and he took off his outer garment, he wrapped the towel around him, and what he did is he began to wash each of those disciples' feet, including Judas, and he washes all the way through, he takes his garment, he puts it back on, and he says, basically he says this, what you have seen me do, you do likewise. You go and you serve. And so this particular bowl and towel I'm going to give to Sean because anybody that is set apart for some kind of service, especially of leadership within the church, I always give them a bowl and a towel because I want them to put it in a prominent place in their office or in their home so that every time they look at it, they're reminded that this is not about lording over anybody. It's about getting on your face and washing feet. And so, Sean, this is yours. But that's the base in theology. And so it boils down to this. As a leader... Are you going to do what man wants or are you going to serve as Christ has commanded?